Alright. Check one. Check two. It has been a while. Let me just check these levels real quick. Okay, I think that's gonna do it. I think it's gonna work. Hey, this is Tyler Murphy, and you're listening to the Lonely Painter Podcast, and it has been a while since I've done one of these. Uh, but I've been, uh, I, I think I, in the last couple ones, I just felt like I had said almost everything I needed to say. And uh, now, it's probably just going to kind of end up being a repetition of, <laughs> of those, uh, of, of the points I'm trying to make in, in those things, at least for now. And so, that's kind of what today is as well. I, in my life, there's been some things that, that have kind of been circling around and uh, different things that are kind of in the culture, maybe here. In Billings, and and I haven't been certain of how I feel about uh, some of those trends. But then, as I've been reflecting on it the last couple of days, I realize that actually my opinion is right here in what I've said already on this podcast, especially in the last couple of episodes. And so, I'm indirectly communicating my opinion on a lot of different things. And so I've written something uh, new that is kind of returning to some of the core ideas that I think I've been talking about in the last handful of episodes. And uh, I think it's important to return again and again to hard concepts because oftentimes we don't understand a person fully the first time. It's really hard I I actually was thinking about how I I've memorized a handful of different poems and speeches and things over the years and and I get so much richness out of them because I return to them again and again and it's amazing how uh over time new things stand out to me and the depth and the meaning that can be found in them seems almost endless. And so I'm going to, in various ways, uh, as I feel called with this podcast, probably return again and again to some things that I want to share with people. So here we go. Here's uh, an essay I've written called Let There Be Lack. Peter Rollins, a favorite author of mine, often reminds his audience that it's not necessarily church in which religion is alive and well today, but rather religion can be found most prominently in the secular world. In fact, he claims that L.A. is the most religious city on earth. On every street corner, you're promised health, wealth, and satisfaction if you just attend this seminar, adhere to this fitness routine, drink this new supplement, try this new drug, own this new car, get the mansion, gain the fame. And sadly, it seems these days that the only way to sell anything is to first remind our customer that they're lacking in some way, but that, hey, don't worry, I've got just the thing that will make it all better. And of course, these things don't make it all better. 
Sure, they might temporarily satisfy in just the way that an ice-cold Coke on a hot summer day causes an almost involuntary reaction. <sighs> Making true, for that moment, Coke's catchphrase. That's it. But can the things we pine for really do much against years of unprocessed and unmourned dashed hopes and loves lost? Can they really defend us against the guilt of ways we've acted terribly toward others and those we love and now feel estranged from? Can they stave off the fact that one day we'll wake up and our lives will be over? The reminder that we lack in some way is not some new sales tactic that arose in our present capitalist epoch. Its roots can be seen even in the first stories of Genesis, when the serpent causes Eve to question her then-current state. Just like a savvy salesman, the serpent subtly provoked in Eve the idea that she could be more, that in her pre-knowledge of good and evil state, she lacked. Thus, Paul Tillich's answer to the question of why we fall so short of human fulfillment. To quote, We fall away from what we could be, namely united in love through justice and truth, because we want to draw the whole world into ourselves. And this is the old doctrine of the Paradise Lost story. You shall be like God. That's the temptation. We think of God as not lacking in any way, that he is all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, that God is the sovereign exception, the one that is whole and complete, and who, unlike us, is never at odds with his own self. In other words, that God lacks the lack. Therefore, when we try to draw the whole world into ourselves through the accumulation of cars, houses, titles, awards, lovers, and conquests, we simply are repeating the same old cycle of buying into that serpent's lie. So I argue that no, we cannot be like God. We can't fill in that lack within us, however hard we may try. But then what are we to do? Do we succumb to despair and nihilism and seek for nothing? that might make things a little better. When we love someone or something, when starting a new relationship, or when we deepen an existing one, when we discover a new passion for storytelling, or filmmaking, or history, or rock climbing, or stamp collecting, whatever it may be, when we love life is meaningful. Our minds revolve around the things we love. It's what makes us want to get up out of bed in the morning. It's the cause to the effect of us experiencing life as the most precious of gifts. It can take us to the greatest heights, and by this same respect, we can fall to lower depths than we ever knew possible. Let me be clear. Making friends with the lack within us is not the same as giving up on love or desire altogether. I think we should pursue things that bring us into deeper love. And when we do fall and our lives are in pieces, perhaps we can remember that though 
we will never have the power to speak light into existence as God did when he said, let there be light. May we be reminded in those most trying and downtrodden times when we're tempted by that next thing that we fantasize will take away all our longings and problems, we say what is fully in our power to say, let there be lack. Another way of saying this is to say that we no longer seek to reconcile the tension of longing for what we don't have, but rather that we become reconciled to that tension, that we become satisfied with the dissatisfaction and the wondering of what life would be like had we taken that other road. For as Kierkegaard has it, marry or don't marry, either way you'll regret it. That yes, we have the freedom to pursue our happiness, but we also need a more subtle freedom, especially in our present day, when our anxieties are preyed upon for profit's sake. We need also the freedom from the pursuit of our happiness, that we experience grace for where we are right here and now. Though we both desire to have our cake and to eat it too, it is an intractable either-or situation we find ourselves in. For while having the cake, we can fantasize of how great it will be to eat it. But once we eat the cake, we gain it. We draw it into ourselves. And through this gain, we also lose. We lose the fantasy we had of how great it was going to be to eat it. Therefore, to gain is to at the same time lose, and to lose is to at the same time gain. In the same way, a person who gets married gains birth into a married life. They lose their singleness, and if Kierkegaard's right, they'll wonder one day what it would have been like had they not gotten married. And perhaps a deep anxiety rises within them, an irreconcilable tension of wanting what they don't have. And thus, the importance to come back to those powerful words, let there be lack. Okay, I think that's all I have to share <laughs> today. Uh, I don't know when I'll be back uh, with another episode. Could, could be soon, could be another couple months. But I hope everybody's doing really well and... Thanks for listening. Be good to yourselves.